Act One of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Persons represented Theseus, Duke of Athens, read by Algie Pug, Aegeus, father to Hermia, read by Bruce Peary. Lysander, in love with Hermia, read by Dan Raynham. Demetrius, in love with Hermia, read by Bear Schacht. Philostrate, master of the revels to Theseus, read by Amy Graymore. Quince, the carpenter, read by Ariel Lipshaw. Snug, the joiner, read by Catalina Watt. Bottom, the weaver, read by Bob Gonzalez. Flute, the bellows mender read by jeff schwab snout the tinker read by grace starveling the tailor read by nolan fount hippolyta queen of the amazons betrothed to theseus read by elizabeth clatt hermia daughter to aegeus in love with lysander read by elizabeth barr helena in love with demetrius Read by Christine G. Oberon, King of the Fairies. Read by Algie Pug. Titania, Queen of the Fairies. Read by Elizabeth Clatt. Puck, or Robin Goodfellow, a fairy. Read by Amy Graymore. Fairy. Read by Tiffany Halla Colonna. Peace Blossom. Read by Lucy Perry. Cobweb. Read by Nolan Fount. Moth. Read by Sudone Vox. Mustard Seed. Read by Laurie Ann Walden. Narrator. Read by Ernst Patinama. Scene. Athens and a wood not far from it. Act One. Scene One. Athens. A room in the palace of Theseus. Enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Philostrate and attendants. Now, fair Hippolyta, our nuptial hour draws on apace, four happy days bring in another moon. But, oh, methinks, how slow this old moon wanes! She lingers my desires, like to a stepdame or a dowager, long withering out a young man's revenue. Four days will quickly steep themselves in nights. Four nights will quickly dream away the time. And then the moon like to a silver bow new-bent in heaven, shall behold the night of our solemnities. Go, Philostrate, stir up the Athenian youth to merriments, awake the pert and nimble spirit of mirth, turn melancholy forth to funerals. The pale companion is not for our pomp. Exit Philostrate. Hippolyta, I wooed thee with my sword, and won thy love doing thee injuries. But I will wed thee in another key, with pomp, with triumph, and with revelling. Enter Aegeus, Hermia, Lysander, and Demetrius. Happy be Theseus, our renowned duke. Thanks, good Aegeus. What's the news with thee? Full of vexation come I, with complaint against my child, my daughter Hermia. Stand forth, Demetrius. My noble lord, this man hath my consent to marry her. Stand forth, Lysander. 
and my gracious duke this man hath bewitched the bosom of my child thou thou lysander thou hast given her rhymes and interchanged love-tokens with my child thou hast by moonlight at her window sung with feigning voice verses of feigning love and stolen the impression of her fantasy with bracelets of thy hair rings gods conceits knacks trifles nosegays sweetmeats messengers of strong prevailment in unhardened youth with cunning hast thou filched my daughter's heart turned her obedience which is due to me to stubborn harshness and my gracious duke be it so she will not hear before your grace consent to marry with demetrius i beg the ancient privilege of athens as she is mine i may dispose of her which shall be either to this gentleman or to her death according to our law immediately provided in that case what say you hermia be advised fair maid to you your father should be as a god one that composed your beauties yea and one to whom you are but as a form in wax by him imprinted and within his power to leave the figure or disfigure it demetrius is a worthy gentleman so is lysander in himself he is but in this kind wanting your father's voice the other must be held the worthier i would my father looked but with my eyes rather your eyes must with his judgment look i do entreat your grace to pardon me i know not by what power i am made bold nor how it may concern my modesty in such a presence here to plead my thoughts but i beseech your grace that i may know the worst that may befall me in this case if i refuse to wed demetrius either to die the death or to abjure for ever the society of men therefore fair hermia question your desires know of your youth examine well your blood whether if you yield not to your father's choice you can endure the livery of a nun for i to be shady cloister mewed to live a barren sister all your life chanting faint hymns to the cold fruitless moon thrice blessed they that master so their blood to undergo such maiden pilgrimage but earthlier happy is the rose distilled than that which withering on the virgin thorn grows lives and dies in single blessedness so will i grow so live so die my lord ere i will yield my virgin patent up unto his lordship whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty take time to pause and by the next new moon the sealing day betwixt my love and me for everlasting bond of fellowship upon that day either prepare to die for disobedience to your father's will or else to wed demetrius as he would or on diana's altar to protest for i austerity and single life relent sweet hermia and lysander yield thy crazed title to my certain right you have her father's love demetrius let me have hermia's do you marry him scornful lysander true he hath my love and what is mine my love shall render him and she is mine and all my right of her i do estate unto demetrius 
I am, my lord, as well derived as he, as well possessed. My love is more than his, my fortunes every way as fairly ranked, if not with vantage, as Demetrius's. And, which is more than all these boasts can be, I am beloved of Beutius Hermia. Why should not I then prosecute my right? Demetrius, I'll avouch it to his head, made love to Nadar's daughter, Helena, and won her soul. And she, sweet lady, dotes, devoutly dotes, dotes in idolatry upon this spotted and inconstant man. I must confess that I have heard so much and with Demetrius thought to have spoke thereof, but, being overfull of self-affairs, my mind did lose it. But, Demetrius, come, and come, Aegeus, you shall go with me. I have some private schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, look you arm yourself to fit your fancies to your father's will, or else the law of Athens yields you up, which by no means we may extenuate, to death or to a vow of single life. Come, my Hippolyta, what cheer, my love? Demetrius and Aegeus, go along. I must employ you in some business against our nuptial, and confer with you of something nearly that concerns yourselves. With duty and desire we follow you. Exeunt, Theseus, Hippolyta, Aegeus, Demetrius, and Train. How now, my love? Why is your cheek so pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? The like for want of rain, which I could well beteem them from the tempest of my eyes. Ah, me, for aught that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale of history, the course of true love never did run smooth. But either it was different in blood. Oh, cross, too high to be enthralled to low. Or else misgraft in respect of years. Oh, spite! Too old to be engaged to young. Or else it stood upon the choice of friends. Oh, hell, to choose love by another's eye. Or if there were a sympathy in choice, war, death, or sickness did lay siege to it, making it momentary as a sound, swift as a shadow, short as any dream, brief as the lightning in the collied night that, in a spleen, unfolds both heaven and earth, and ere a man hath power to say, Behold, the jaws of darkness do devour it up, so quick bright things come to confusion. If, then, true lovers have ever crossed, it stands as an edict in destiny. Then let us teach our trial patience, because it is a customary cross, as due to love is thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears, Poor fancies, followers. A good persuasion. Therefore hear me, Hermia. I have a widow aunt, a dowager, of great revenue, and she hath no child. From Athens is her house, remote seven leagues, and she respects me as her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry thee, and to that place the sharp Athenian law cannot pursue us. If thou lovest me, then, steal forth thy father's house tomorrow night, and in the wood, a league without the town, where I did meet thee once with Helena to do observance to a morn of May, there will I stay for thee. My good Lysander, 
I swear to thee, by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with the golden head, by the simplicity of Venus's doves, by that which knitteth souls and prospers loves, and by that fire which burned the Carthage queen, when the false Trojan under sail was seen, by all the vows that ever men have broke, in number more than ever women spoke, in that same place thou hast appointed me, to-morrow truly will I meet with thee. Keep promise, love. Look, here comes Helena. Enter Helena. Godspeed, fair Helena. Whither away? Call you me fair, that fair again unsay. Demetrius loves your fair, O oh, happy fair. Your eyes are lodestars, and your tongue's sweet air, More tunable than lark to shepherd's air. When wheat is green, when hawthorn buds appear, Sickness is catching, oh, where favour so. Yours would I catch, fair Hermia, ere I go. My ear should catch your voice, my eye your eye. My tongue should catch your tongue's sweet melody. Were the world mine, Demetrius being baited, The rest I'd give to be to you translated. O oh, teach me how you look, and with what art, You sway the motion of Demetrius' heart. I frown upon him, yet he loves me still. O oh, that your frowns would teach my smiles such skill. I give him curses, yet he gives me love. O oh, that my prayers could such affection move. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hated me. His folly, Helena, is no fault of mine. None but your beauty would that fall through mine. Take comfort. He no more shall see my face. Lysander and myself will fly this place. Before the time I did Lysander see seemed Athens as a paradise to me. Oh, then what graces in my love do dwell that he hath turned a heaven unto hell? Helen, to you our minds we will unfold. Tomorrow night, when Phoebe doth behold her silver visage in the watery glass, decking with liquid pearl the bladed grass, a time that lovers' flights doth still conceal, through Athens' gates have we devised to steal. And in the wood, where often you and I, upon faint primrose beds, were wont to lie, emptying our bosoms of their counsel sweet, there my Lysander and myself shall meet. And thence from Athens turn away our eyes to seek new friends and stranger companies. Farewell, sweet playfellow. Pray thou for us, and good luck grant thee thy Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sight from lover's food till morrow deep midnight. I will, my Hermia. Exit Hermia. Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius dote on you. Exit Lysander. How happy some are, other some can be. Through Athens I am thought as fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I admiring of his qualities, things base and vile, holding no quantity, Love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind. And therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. 
nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste wings and no eyes figure unheedy haste and therefore is love said to be a child because in choice he is so oft beguiled as vaggish boys in game themselves forswear so the boy love is perdued everywhere for ere demetrius looked on hermia's eye he hailed down oats that he was only mine and when this hail some heat from hermia felt so he dissolved and showers of oaths did melt i will go tell him of fair hermia's flight then to the wood will he to-morrow night pursue her and for his intelligence if i have thanks it is a dear expense but herein mean i to enrich my pain to have his sight thither and back again exit helena scene two the same a room in a cottage enter snug bottom flute snout quince and starveling is all our company here you were best to call them generally man by man according to the scrip here is the scroll of every man's name which is thought fit through all athens to play in our interlude before the duke and duchess on his wedding day at night first good peter quince say what the play treats on then read the names of the actors and so grow to a point mary our play is the most lamentable comedy and most cruel death of pyramus and thisbe a very good piece of work i assure you and a merry now good peter quince call forth your actors by the scroll masters spread yourselves answer as i call you nick bottom the weaver ready name what part i am for and proceed you nick bottom are set down for pyramus what is pyramus a lover or a tyrant a lover that kills himself most gallantly for love that will ask some tears in the true performing of it if i do it let the audience look to their eyes i will move storms i will condole in some measure to the rest yet my chief humour is for a tyrant i could play ercles rarely or a part to tear a cat in to make all split the raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison gates and phibus car shall shine from far and make and mar the foolish fates this was lofty now name the rest of the players this is ercles vein a tyrant's vein a lover is more condoling francis flute the bellows mender here peter quince flute you must take thisbe on you what is thisbe a wandering knight it is the lady that pyramus must love nay faith let me not play a woman i have a beard coming that's all one you shall play it in a mask and you may speak as small as you will and i may hide my face let me play thisbe too i'll speak in a monstrous little voice thisney thisney ah pyramus my lover dear thy thisbe dear and lady dear no no you must play pyramus and flute you thisbe 
Well, proceed. Robin Starveling the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Robin Starveling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Tom Snout the tinker. Here, Peter Quince. You, Pyramus's father. Myself, Thisbe's father. Snug the joiner. You, the lion's part. And I hope here is a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray you, if it be, give it me, for I am slow of study. You may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Let me play the lion, too. I will roar that I will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar that I will make the duke say, Let him roar again, let him roar again. And you should do it too terribly. You would fright the duchess and the ladies that they would shriek, and that were enough to hang us all. That would hang us every mother's son. I grant you, friends, if you should fright the ladies out of their wits, they would have no more discretion but to hang us. But I will aggravate my voice so, that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. I will roar you when twere any nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus, for Pyramus is a sweet-faced man, a proper man, as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely, gentleman-like man. Therefore you must needs play Pyramus. Well, I will undertake it. What beard were I best to play it in? Why, what you will. Mm. I will discharge it in either your straw-color beard, your orange-tawny beard, your purple-and-grain beard, or your French-crown-color beard, your perfect yellow. Some of your French crowns have no hair at all, and then you will play barefaced. Ah. <sighs> But, masters, here are your parts, and I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to con them by to-morrow night, and meet me in the palace wood a mile without the town by moonlight. There will we rehearse, for if we meet in the city we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. In the meantime I will draw a bill of properties such as our play wants. I pray you, fail me not. We will meet. And there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains, be perfect. Adieu! At the Duke's Oak we meet. Enough! Hold or cut bowstrings. Exeunt. End of Act One.